Hey everyone, welcome to Admit One with G-Money. Today we have some of the founders of Ready Player DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization committed to harnessing the collective power of play to create equity for all. Their mission is to even the playing field between the studios and the larger global gaming community by supporting the play-to-earn gaming economy. They believe Web3 gaming, empowered by blockchain technology, is the next revolution in gaming, enabling transactable in-game assets at scale, along with composability and transferability between games. Please welcome Rohit, Danny, and Rich. How are you guys? How's everything? Doing well. Happy to be here. Good. Awesome. Thank you for for coming on the podcast. I, you know, I just, I want to start this off by saying I'm a, a founding member of Ready Player DAO. Right. I, was, I was, I remember I was there from uh, the early conversations, um, you know, so it's been interesting to see how it really, you know, started as a group of us, you know, I think I had reached out to you, Rich, yeah. on, on uh, Twitter directly a, a few weeks before because I wanted to start my own scholarship program uh, with Axie. Uh, this was probably like a little over a year ago, I think. And then um, there were actually like a bunch of other people that wanted to uh, to for you to run their scholarship program. And that really was the basis for the, the DAO getting started. So, you know, I guess from there, like, let's talk about like what um, the beginnings of the DAO, like how it started and what it's kind of turned into. Yeah, I, I... I'd love to talk about that. Yeah, it was about a year and like two weeks. I think we just had our official year anniversary on July 28th, but those conversations are around like the 13th. Um, yeah, and you know, we started pretty much at the beginning to, to be like an Axie scholarship guild, right? Uh, but since then, I think we've started to realize, you know, the larger thesis of what Web3 gaming is and that we have the capabilities and you know the know-how to help elevate that so we've definitely shifted away from focusing so much on axie and more towards general web3 gaming and helping elevate the space and now i think we're doing a lot more in terms of advising web3 games that are are you know launching tokenomics and nfts on their approach of of how they're doing it and how to do it in a you know a fair manner um that isn't you know as extractive as we've seen some things um go down like um you know even axie shifting away from the original model that they had um beyond that you know we we brought on rohit gupta to help with our content esports since he's got a lot of experience that in the web 2 world which i'd love to hear him talk about his approach there because he'll uh, articulate it better than i will and then, of course, we're continuing that community aspect of things, running the guild, but also bringing in just any day gamers that everyday gamers that want to come in and, and play and check out Web3 games and can use us as a waypoint for this is a legit Web3 game. It's not a scam. It's not, you know, bad tokenomics. Um, and these people have thought through it. And that's why Ready Player DAO is partnering with them. That's awesome. Um, you know, like I, I really love that. I think uh, before I guess we we go a little further, like can why don't we get a little bit of a background? I, I think for you, Rich, as well, like I, you know, I know your background pretty well, but I think for for people that are listening in, I think they'd like, you know, to have an idea of where you guys have been, where you come from and, you know, to understand like your your position in the space as well as in RPD. 
Yeah, absolutely. So my background was in open source tech. Previously, I was a cloud architect at a company called Red Hat, which is the leader in like open source enterprise technology. Um, and I've always been a lifelong gamer. So coming into the world of Web3 gaming, those, those backgrounds kind of um, collided, right? Uh, Web3 and this, the decentralized ethos is very, very similar to the open source ethos of, you know, bringing everyone together to build something great, right? Um, bringing people from different backgrounds, varying backgrounds ensures that people from different walks of life with, with different viewpoints on things are able to uh, provide their input and, and feedback into something that you guys are working towards together. So that's also the entire ethos of open source as well as decentralization. And then obviously, you know, the gaming world has always been a passion of mine, um, been deep in probably every single genre of games that there, there are. Um, so that's kind of how this all came to fruition. And that tech background allowed me to jump into, you know, the Web3 world as, uh, as early as it is, right? Yeah, sure. I'll go first because Rohit's more impressive than I am, and he can go last. Um, <laughs> no, so you know, uh, so I'm I'm a lawyer by training. I had my own practice in uh, Santa Monica that I started, uh, you know, a decade ago. Um, that was uh, a practice that allowed me to uh, step back with my time while still um, uh, growing my revenue, and so that allowed me to kind of really dig into like cloud investing. I guess right around like 2016. So that. From there, I kind of just started exploring uh, crypto and more in earnest once uh, uh, once I started following Chainlink. And uh, that really kind of revealed to me um, the opportunity um, to build something better that's better for developers um, and that's better for consumers. Um, and as like DeFi started um, doing its thing and I, I saw DAOs uh, emerging there, handling uh, you know the TBL, you know, something clicked that, um, you know, uh, we're, there's something bigger here, I think. There's this like big uh, restructuring about how we engage with each other and, and transfer information and value and coordinate. In a tr um, and that uh, uh, I'm going to be potentially useful. Um, I just need to find it now because, you know, I'm not tech native, though I, I understand tech and I've invested in it, but I generally rely on markets and uh, people uh, to kind of give me their insights to make my own decisions. Uh, on matters of like structure and like coordination, those are things that I just know um, well. Um, and so uh, it, it just made a lot of sense. I'm a lifetime gamer too. I grew up playing, um, you know, I, I I guess I got my, uh, my like from Sega Genesis, although, you know, Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and uh, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, Xbox, um, a lot of StarCraft. It's, you know, I just love it. I think games uh, were formative. Um, they are one of the most investable uh, media that I think that exists now. Um, and so, uh, once I got the opportunity to join, um, ready player here with you, uh, G and rich and, and a few other folks early on, I just, I saw the, I saw everything click. I was like, I know I'm going to be able to drive value. I'm not sure what it is, but we're going to be 40 people, uh, working together to try to change, uh, change things, um, on the bleeding edges. And that just spoke to me. And so fast forward a year later, and it's, we've really just grown so much. Um, I, I feel like I just have like been able to express myself within the DAO and just provide value within what I'm really good at and learn and work with some really exceptional people. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm loving everything we're doing and I'm really excited here uh, for our second year. So I appreciate you having us on. Yeah, that's awesome. 
I, I also think we probably grew up around the same time because the games you mentioned you played, I also grew up playing. So yeah, <laughs> we had that in common. Totally. I feel like a boomer. Nah, you're you're young at heart. That does, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so I have been investing in games through our fund called Sterling VC for the last eight years. Um, we we sort of saw what was happening in the mobile side, started deploying some capital around companies in that space, and then really in our second fund doubled down in the space and and sort of went after every single picks and shovel company around gaming and esports. And then an opportunity came up in 2017 um, when Activision Blizzard was uh, creating a league around, at the, t at the time, one of their fastest growing titles called Overwatch. Um, and they wanted to sort of, that was revolutionary for esports and also tie it to city. So they sold a lot of those franchises to traditional sports owners. And we ended up winning uh, the New York franchise for Overwatch and then later on Call of Duty. So I'm a co-founder of NYXL, which is sort of New York's esports teams. Um, during 2020 and sort of the rise of crypto gaming and just Web3 gaming in general and communities, we pivoted our fund fully into Web3 gaming and it was like a huge opportunity I think what crypto brings or in general Web3 brings to gaming is an ability to just enhance engagement and, and share uh, like the asset ownership, which I'm sure we'll go into in later, is, is really revolutionary for game development and engaging with consumers. So um, I met another founder of Ready Player DAO, uh, Chris Cable in Portugal. We had some ideas around um, creating an esports DAO. Um, esports is very small in this ecosystem right now, so it didn't make sense to have its own standalone DAO. And he was like, why don't you see if it makes sense to like talk to RPD and see if we build the full stack here. Um, and uh, it's been quite exciting from when I met Chris uh, late last year into where we are now around the ecosystem. Also, help advise um, Midnight Society, which was formed by uh, a streamer called Dr. Disrespect, who's very well known in kind of the Web2 gaming sphere, uh, especially, you know, he's sort of known for mostly Call of Duty uh, and Warzone. Uh, he's a streamer on YouTube and formed uh, a game studio sort of with Web3 principles and very excited about that. And R RPD is also an investor in, in it. Uh, that's awesome. You know, I want to unpack something you said you mentioned, I guess, with regards to uh, the esports, right, and the esports franchises um, and Web3 is like, I guess, how do you see that playing out? Like, especially since, you know, you have that experience of seeing it in, you know, the traditional gaming world. And, you know, obviously, we're in such infant days of this, right, because I think the space is still so nascent. But like, do you envision it playing out exactly the same way? Do you envision it playing out like differently? Like what are your thoughts on, on like how the roadmap is from here kind of? Oh, I think there are principles to take from the so-called traditional esports, if you want to call it that. And, um, but there's a lot of nuance here where there's a lot of decentralization and you don't have to go to publishers for approval to run events, right? Like IP ownership is very different. Um, 
the way I see the metaverse is a convergence of media, commerce, content, and gaming. Um, and so, like, who right now, none of these platforms allow you to natively run tournaments. Like, tr running tournaments is a pain in the ass. Like, you have to create lobbies, you have to run the brackets, you had like, you could, what, imagine like you're in Decentraland or, or Sandbox and it's all automated for you, native to the platform. You don't have to like deal with OBS streaming and there's just a lot of tools that I think can help simplify the ability to put on even a, a casual tournament among your friends. Um, unfortunately, right now, a lot of the, sort of the content and tournament structure in Web3 is a afterthought. And that's what we're trying to like sort of improve at RPD is the space needs a lot more, like that's what drives gaming in general, right? Like uh, we, we recently hired um, or signed two large influencers who are about to be announced in the coming weeks. And they're some of the largest Web3 influencers in the in the US and we're incredibly excited about like showing people why these games are cool and like what can you do with web3 principles because unfortunately a lot of web2 gamers don't really understand it right and have been rightfully so like a lot of games don't adhere to the ethos of gaming right you can pay your way to have a better asset and win um you have to spend sometimes thousands of dollars to have an asset to play a game. Like most people don't have that. And people don't necessarily, the US experience of like different chains, you have to bridge assets and it, like all that will improve over time. And we're here to help guide a lot of those uh, studios that way. Like, here's what we think, like which chains make it easier, um, uh, things like that. But, you know, in, in general, we have to help uh, improve the content and, and competition side of it when it comes to web3 gaming right yeah i you know i think it's really interesting you bring some a few things up there like i've had uh brooks brown uh on the podcast the founder of nor right and so you know i i think he's brought up he's i i really love talking to him because he always makes me think like of like oh like i think i know something and i talked to him for like five minutes like wow like i have no idea right and like you know i think to your point of like kind of like um being able to buy, right? Like uh, by level up, by leveling up by buying and spending money, right? That's kind of what we've come to know as gaming in its current form, right? So it's like, it's gonna be interesting to see like, how does that change over the next decade or two decades, right? And then also a really interesting concept that I, I had never thought about until he mentioned is like, you know, the economy of the game itself is like its own game. Right. In the sense that, like, if I if I'm a soccer player and I go out on the game uh, on the soccer field and I play the soccer game, like, you know, how like my salary is getting paid and all that stuff isn't that necessarily pertinent to the game. But for some reason in the gaming world, the way it's set up right now is like it's an intricate part of the game. Right. So you're going to get like speculators involved. And it's it's just really interesting because it changes the dynamic from like the pure gameplay of, you know, being entertained and you know being good and entertaining others right I, I do think we need a segment at this point which types of games we're talking about and they're very different right you see the casual mobile games like clash royale like that's okay with those types of games where you can pay to sort of be better and like that's not 
like it's not the same level as a Valorant or a CSGO, right? And so you need to segment, you know, card games versus FPS games versus MOBAs. Like they're all the way those economies work, the way the game dynamics work are all fundamentally different. Like PC versus console versus mobile. You not every we can't like make generic statements sometimes because like it does work for certain types of games. It doesn't work for others. But the largest games in the world are super, like the AAA games are hyper competitive and tend to be FPS. And that's where like you shouldn't have the ability just because you have a larger wallet to win. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I, I totally agree with I, that. I also spoke with uh, Brooks. It's funny you mentioned him at the beginning of last week as well. And uh, I think he's he's pretty vocal about being against the whole play to earn thing. And I think we... We tend to agree on a high level that it won't be as rampant or as, uh, I guess, extractive of a model from the gaming economies as we've seen previously, as as like the Web three gaming space matures as well, right? Like I think they'll they'll definitely continue to be an earning capability and tokens and stuff, but we see it as more tied into some of the gameplay and being as like a core loop of those games rather than being able to go in, earn, and then pull out, right? Um, and like to his point and to many others' points, it's like it's not the newest, uh, the newest feature to games on the block, right? You've had gold farming in games like RuneScape, but the addition of blockchain uh, amplifies that technology. Like the technology amplifies the ability to to do those sorts of things uh, and improves the like feasibility of the, the transactions uh, that can be made in game and and involving um, tokens as well. So um, I think there's there's a lot of uh, maturity to be made with, with a lot of the models that we are seeing in Web3 games, and we're starting to see a lot more variations in those models that are more unique to the different genres, like Rohit mentioned. And I think uh, there won't be like a single approach to how tokenomics works either. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that statement, right? So I guess when you see like, let's say when when you're now looking at investments and consulting on different projects, are you uh, steering projects away from the play to earn model? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say steering them away per se, um, the play to earn itself, but we do want to see um, some of the models move away from what I call the NFT game pass, which is where you have to buy NFTs just to play the game. Um, you know, I, I think that's like a very high friction entry to a game, uh, committing, you know, a speculative asset that can spike up to $1,000 just to play a game that you don't even know you like yet or haven't demoed or anything um, is probably not the best way to have a player on board, right? Um, and and even like that kind of amplified the the build up and crash of, of Axie Infinity and, you know, Thetan Arena and Pegaxi and all these other games that um, went through that cycle. And like I mentioned, even even Axie shifted away from it. Now they have free-to-play Axies that you can come in and, and play the game and test it out before jumping in and trying it yourself. They also have moved away from, like, the pure SLP earn um, and pull-out model uh, to having these soul-bound moon shards and all this other stuff. So, you know, as the space is learning, I think there's also that maturity of, okay, we can't just 
hand people tokens just for logging in and and like playing a match, right? That that's gonna start going away, and that's kind of what we're helping some of these games figure out. And then if you are gonna keep rewarding players, uh, you have to incentivize the burning of those tokens as well within those core game loops, not as an aside like breeding was previously. Um, so a lot of what we've talked to teams about is like, yeah, it's you know you can have those tokens, you can even mix it with soulbound tokens. Uh, but if they're going to be earned in a core game loop, they should be have to be burned in a core game loop as well to continue like playing and advancing that game. That's how you balance that economy, right? You have to have demand, um, you know, in line with supply. Otherwise, you're going to have that wild, those wild, you know, boom and bust cycles. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I always, you know, I think any project that releases its own token basically becomes its own Federal Reserve right. Bank. Right. And so it's like, you know, especially in gaming, like operating and running an economy is really fucking yeah. hard. Right. It's like you have to, you, you know, like you basically need an economist. Right. And an economist that, you know, can understand boom bust cycles that happen in, you know, days, if not hours. You know, so I, I just I totally agree with you. I think it's it's very complicated, but I think we're going to see very different solutions and different approaches um as the, i think the space matures yeah absolutely. yeah I, so I, and, uh, so i think that's right and i think i'd also add that like the this the, we sp i feel like we spend a lot of time talking about like the tokenomics and that's like just super important and we have people like rich uh that you know are just very well versed and they're helping uh really like drive this forward uh from our end and just generally in web3 gaming and then i think we have like this like goal of ours of mass adoption where those people like just don't care about the mechanics. What they want, right, is to just have a lot of fun. Um, and then if uh, you can abstract away um, an earning experience, then that's great, right? Um, but fundamentally, uh, I don't think people um, at, at scale care about like tokenomics necessarily in their games. And so there's this like uh, two-sided two component is that we have these uh, games that maybe um, want to start getting mass adoption like let's say you're a trading card game um and you want uh, the world to be able to play your game um for free but also you want to have like these uh, earning mechanics so those are like two dual strategies um and so i think uh we have to be able to and we do um help uh teams with both of those things right what is like the tokenomic structure um and how are you going to like incorporate web3 into your game and then um are you going to abstract it away? How? And then what's your strategy um, to help uh, uh, onboard users um, that uh, otherwise are intimidated by Web3 gaming? I think that's a big challenge, right? And um, so that's its own um, like workflow in my mind um, and something I think that uh, what we're doing here with uh, Rohit and Rich and, and our esports, um, I think that can really help bridge the gap. We're really trying to find ways to help solve the Web3 native issues, but also be able to bridge back uh, into the legacy uh, consumer and um, and see how we can really drive mass adoption uh, through all the levers we could pull on the things we've been building. Right. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. Right. Because I think at the end of the day, you need to the game needs to be fun to play. Right. In order for any of this to work. Right. It's like it needs to be a fun experience that somebody would play even if they weren't making money while playing it. Right. And that that to me was always has always been like the million dollar question. Right. And I, I know for me, Part of the reason why I, I uh, want, like invested in the DAO was obviously at the outset was um, obviously because I wanted Axie uh, scholarship exposure, 
But then, you know, as things have, have pivoted and I've seen like, you know, how the DAO has been pivoting his strategy as the space has matured is, you know, getting access to some of the best minds in gaming in the space that, you know, can see this and can help kind of guide these companies, these companies that are trying to come in and help them be successful, right? And I'm trying to do that on my own, right? And with with the, the partnerships and the collabs that I have more focus on the fashion side, but you guys are doing the same thing on the gaming side, right? And it's like, it's been interesting because like the gaming community has been so vocal against NFTs and I don't understand why, because it's like, like this should inherently make sense yeah. to you, right? As anybody that's played a game, like imagine you put $10,000 into this game and they're like, all right, I'm done playing it. Like, it'd be really cool if you can sell those assets, get some sort of capital uh, recouped, and then you go on to the next game, right? And, you know, and you go, you invest that money into something else that you're interested in. So I think it's been super interesting uh, to kind of watch. Yeah, I think a lot of those... think? No, I, I think the comment on Web2 gamers is very accurate. And it's, it's sort of part of the reason is that there are very few games that are actually live where it makes sense to buy assets that have that value. And like, as Rich mentioned, Free to play is a big onboarding benefit in current Web2 games, right? And that's how they spend their money because they get to play the game. They see the value of like the microtransactions and that onboarding sort of required to see, okay, let, before I spend a thousand or 10,000, which by the way, many of the pitches to date have been scams or rug pulls against the Web2 audience. Um, so at a certain point, like we're crying wolf, right? Like. First time, okay. Second time, it starts to like, wait, what's going on? Third time, it's like, this is garbage, right? So until we get actually can show a great game where it makes sense, they have the onboarding effect of free to play, and then you can do the asset ownership, I think those are the games that are going to win, coupled with a real like tournament and content strategy. You like can't have, like, if you look at the top tier games in the world, you go to Twitch, there's highly correlated. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So does that mean you think that in Web3, we're going to see a, a ton of free-to-play, like the freemium model again? Maybe it's not games that offer free-to-play. Maybe they're new, like, equivalent of the Xbox or PlayStation Pass where you can pay a subscription, you get access to games. Perhaps our Founders Pass, which we should go into, can provide assets through our DAO, like, hey, you might be able to rent these for free. These are types of examples where we should be able to offer people to experience a game without them spending hundreds or thousands of dollars in investing. All right, cool. So let's talk about Founders Pass then, right? Uh, tell us what it is exactly, um, how many there are going to be, and then we can kind of delve, de delve into the details there. Yeah, I can, I can kick that off. You know, obviously, G, like, we um, are in the same circles, so you know we talked to the same people about doing some of these drops, and obviously looked at yours and how successful it was. Um, so it's a almost you know ninety percent similar uh, drop and process as to yours was. Um, we're gonna have a thousand founders passes drop uh, free mint um, and just use them to be able to reward those that have been community members and supporting us since the start, right? Um, so we gave out a lot of POAPs to some of our partners, uh, people that have worked with us in the past, people that have worked with me personally, I gave some to, 
and we handed them out to a bunch of our members to give out to um, people that they see as um, interested in the gaming space and what's happening in Web3 Gaming. Um, beyond that, we made a few partnerships, obviously, with yourself, Boardbox, these gaming-focused communities, um, CyberKongs, and a few others. And the idea is, as Rohit mentioned, is we have the Founders Pass as a connection point to our partners at Ready Player DAO. Um, so we, we see this as like completely mutually beneficial to the holders, to the DAO, and to our partners. As in, you know, we will use the Founders Pass to give our holders access to um, some of these games that we partner with and projects that we partner with. And it also helps bolster and build our community. So it takes the whole thesis of Web3 of like supporting and building community uh, and not just taking from the community, uh, actually giving back to them as well. Um, and this is, I think, our, our first step of kind of opening up the DAO and, and giving some sort of community tiered membership uh, to the DAO for people who really care what's going on in Web3 Gaming and want to support it. And Rohit made the, the um, connection to like an Xbox Game Pass where, you know, you, you get this item and it gives you access to a slew of different games. I think that's from a high level very much what it's going to look like. Yeah, I think think of this pass as like rewarding our super fans, right? And we we're sort of building this in conjunction with them. There are a lot of things that we don't know how this plays out, but imagine these people who have a founders pass have the ability to participate in the tournaments that we eventually run. They get a chance to stream with some of our streamers and help build their reach out, right? It's about sort of putting them into the community as if they're a member. Um, and rewarding them for being since there since the start. Right. And, and I, I just want to clarify because maybe people might be confused is um, by getting a founder's pass NFT doesn't necessarily get you like a seat in the DAO, right? It's just like access to the, the cool things that the DAO is working on. You know, we're, we're legally U.S. compliant DAO, right? So um, which means behind the sea, behind the scenes, you have to you know, being an equity member, it's, it's, so it's not going to work like that. I know there's a lot of other DAOs that are very wide open, but we wanted to make sure um, that we were legally compliant within the U.S. so that we could make a lot of the partnerships that we are making, that we could interact with a lot of the people that we're interacting with, uh, which is a large limitation as a lot of people are coming to see uh, from the other types of DAOs. And until, you know, you know, U.S. legislation catches up with, with what the innovation that's happening in this space, I think that's just going to be a limitation that we're going to have to stick to. But we want people to be involved. So this is like access to our community, but not to being a member of the DAO. So that's, yeah, that's correct. Well, I, I also assume, uh, I think much like mine, there's probably going to be a lot of alpha in the Discord, uh, just, you know, talking about upcoming projects, cool things, you know, you, you just, you're going to see things way much earlier, probably if, if, I had to assume just from like the deal flow and I know that there's a lot of VCs that are that are in the DAO um, and, you know, a lot of really like well-connected people in the space. So I do think like the access provided, I think will be really cool. And even without the Founders Pass, you know, they, we already have a lot of amazing alpha uh, within our community discord that that is being shared publicly to anybody who's in there anyways. Like we've had day one launches where you can become you know, OG member, I think last week it was Mighty Bear Games launched. And it was like, if you're interested, get in there now, you have 24 hours and you become an OG member and get all the benefits that come with that. 
And those are, that's the kind of information that you're getting just by being a, in the Discord, not even a Founders Pass holder. So we're going to try to take that to another level uh, with the Founders Pass membership as well. Yeah, I think that's right. I think um, like one of the things that is overrated and not done in the space is um, is having patience and like trying to understand what you're really trying to do. And then um, uh, really uh, having like an ultra long framework um, for growing um, and, and making sure that you're uh, driving value. And so like, for example, G like uh, and Rich, like when we first started, right, uh, we had essentially 40 people who like kind of knew each other, but uh, loosely um, with like a, a concept and, you know, bringing that together um, takes time uh, and team building uh, and like driving value to each other uh, towards a common purpose. Um, and so that that was a priority before we could expand the community. Rich um, spearheading our scholar community just has done a fantastic job. People don't see it, but uh, our broader community is up over 10,000 people. Uh, our scholars uh, have self-organized. It's merit-based. We drive value to them and we don't take anything from them. Like uh, we don't extract from them. We Our goal is to make it uh, their experience better in gaming so that they can stick around and it's safe and they can grow into the things they want um, through gaming, um, right? Very Web3. And so this Founders Pass, I think, uh, is an opportunity for us to extend that uh, beyond uh, uh, beyond this to um, our super fans, right? And uh, the things that I think we have because of like our unique composition and what we've been building and uh, how we help our partners in Web3 and Web2, I think there's a lot of levers uh, for the communities that uh, we're about to bring in. And so I'm really excited to kind of like, uh, for us to put out the initial ideas of how we can provide value to them, but also to see how uh, how they engage, what they want, and then be able to deliver those things. So, because ultimately I think we're competing for, uh, for, for people's attention um, and uh, to join our community. And, and we want Ready Player DAO, whether it's at the DAO level or the community level, to be one of the like top places on people's Discord. Like people come here to get value, not just because they love games, but because they get purpose. They have, uh, their goals can be achieved, you know? And so uh, I, I kind of view it also through that through that lens in a more like longer term sense that we just want to give something back in a positive some way um, over the long term. Right. No, that, that makes total sense. I, I, I love it. You know, I, I think that, again, I, especially with, and I, I noticed this myself and I've been noticing this with admit one, cause like, I feel like what you guys are doing here is very similar to what I'm doing with admit one, right. Just focus on gaming and is like, you know, as somebody that has been investing in the space for a while now, and a lot of the projects that I invested in are now coming to market. And, you know, they want access to a group of players that are interested in the things that they're doing. Right. And it's like, you're, I, I feel like you're being able, you're providing an opportunity for the players to find cool new games that they might be interested in, but then you're also providing games, a community that will more likely, you know, like, it's like, if you were to walk to somebody down the street that, uh, is running all day, right. Like they're probably not that interested in gaming as much as somebody that is a member of RPD, right. That is actively in, in discord, hanging out and playing games. So it definitely, that, that approach definitely makes sense to me. I think for um, games, the what? way they can look at it is like, we provide the community, our, our pool of players for the game. We provide eventually tournaments that we can plug them into. We provide um, streamers to like go out and start playing the game for mass reach. And so it's like a full on set for games to go to market. And instead of like doing this whole like, hey, 10 people in the Discord, you're going to get a whitelist. Like you should do it. Like this is back in Midnight Society. Prove that you actually care about gaming. 
and not just there to flip the asset for, you know, a quick buck, like care, show like you right. actually care deeply about what this game is doing. Um, because not like, you know, I'm an FPS player. Am I the best person to get in front of a card game? Maybe not. Right. And um, maybe Austin or Dow is the better person. And that, that information is all on chain, by the way. Right. So uh, right. that type of information will start to be extracted and people should be airdropped free equivalent to battle passes to go play the game. Right. That makes total sense. Is, is there a reason behind the free mint? We're, this is not like a revenue generation model for us, right? This is, this is a way for us to give back um, and empower our community. Um, so it didn't make sense for us to try to charge for the mint. Um, you know, when we first started talking about this, we were talking about it back in like, February, March, um, you know, trying to figure out how we can do something to involve the community because we felt like we were doing so much on the back end that people weren't aware of and people weren't involved in. Um, you know, we, we started discussing like, oh, let's let's do like just something small. Like, you know, are people going to brush it aside because it's free? Should we do like 0.07 or something small just to, just to show people that it's, you know, not... Um, you know, a scam or anything like that. But at the end of the day, I think it's better to just be like, look, if you're a fan of RPD, grab one of these things. If you're not, you know, you don't have to. But we're going to give you back more than you put in, right? That's that's the idea through trying to get you access to our partners, the games that we're working with, the tournaments that we're in, uh, the possibilities um, that we have with the different partnerships and investments that we've made through RPD to be able to get these people involved in Web3 gaming, um, we think uh, will be extremely beneficial for anybody who's actually interested in this space. Um, so like, you know, I don't think we recommend it as a speculative asset. Uh, we, we recommended it for people who are interested in gaming. Yeah, it, it's funny hearing you talk about um your thought process behind, you know, is it, do we charge something? Is it free? How do we deal with distribution? Cause those are all the same exact questions that um, I was asking and having with my team at, at the same time. Right. And it's like, ultimately like the market's going to decide right. what it's worth. Right. So it's, it's really, um, you know, whatever it is that you charge, you, it, I think it's a, also a better way to build community. And I know we have a lot of the same contacts, so I'm sure you were having, a lot of those same conversations that I was having with people around the, this issue yeah. at that time. Yeah, I mean, you're dropping form to ours. I mean, it's kind of one of those things, right, in the space where it seemed, that seems like such a great idea. I'm surprised it hadn't really been done um, before. Um, and and when you did it, it was like, wow, that's obvious. Like, obviously, like, that's a great idea. Like, great job. We should, that's how we should do it. Um, and so that, your drop really informed ours. Cool. I mean, it, it's exciting, right? Because that's also what I wanted to do with, with my drop as well, right? Is like kind of like show people another another way to go about it uh, and building community. And I really like the way, um, you know, Rich said at the top where, you know, you guys have been like kind of distributing po-ops and kind of signaling the wallets that are of people that you think would be valuable members of the community, not necessarily people that, um, you know, will be like the most local on Twitter or whatever it is, right? Just people that will contribute to the space as much as possible. We'll have the PO app is going to give whitelist uh, for 48 hours. And then after that, it will be a public 
and free mint of course all right cool that's that's awesome um you know i'm i'm excited with what you guys are working on i think in crypto i think in general we all believe that gaming is one of those next frontiers that onboards a lot of people so it makes natural sense for uh DAOs to be evolving in the space because i think I think the interesting thing about the DAO that maybe you don't see in a lot of uh, other, let's say, let's say gaming funds per se, is that like the gaming funds don't necessarily have a community of people that are will be active and want to play, right? Um, you know, what YGG is obviously an example of, of like a DAO that like has players, and I think Ready Player DAO is very similar in that sense, but like definitely have a one up over like a traditional gaming fund that's like. Here, like we can't, you know, when when it's time to launch the product, you have to go find, you know, the players on your own, right? Like we can't help you. On, yeah, onboarding yeah, absolutely. Players. I mean, we've also helped, you know, beta testing. As I mentioned, we do consulting, advising, um, and then we're standing up that content marketing arm. So like all of this is in addition to, to just accepting a check that a value that that we provide to a lot of these games um and studios that are developing out so we definitely see our dow model and and being an esports and content house and having a community and having beta testers as a large addition and more strategic uh partnership to a lot of these games than the traditional you know vc amazing and so uh you know i i want to be cognizant of your guys time and and you know thank you for coming on uh, and discussing all the things that you guys are doing. Before I get you out of here, I want to ask you each individually, what is your favorite NFT that you own? Yeah, so I think for yeah for me, it's my ASM brains. Um, to me, that's like I might be the most bullish uh, ASM uh, fluff world and everything the McDonald brothers touch. And so I have the brains and everything they've done. Um, what they're building is great, and I'm really excited for uh, for that. Haven't thought about selling those at all just holding buying Ooh, claiming floor price is it's on sale right now 100%. it's a uh, floor is 0.9 e i i own a bunch of those maybe i maybe i buy yeah. some more yeah i, I i'm a big fan yeah, of these. i'll say my my favorite one is definitely my uh midnight society uh i was gonna say that <laughs> yeah oh god come on guys other than that i mean look i'm i'm just so excited about about what the doc is doing over there uh i never hit your your deep entwined so i'll let you have that one uh besides <laughs> that uh, you know the only other community outside of rpd that i've spent actually like really spent a long time in is admin one uh i have a lot of friends that are admin one holders uh even here in, in puerto rico right so not to brown nose uh eg money but uh that's one where the sense of community is like a lot higher and it's not just people going in there asking about the price and all the other stuff. Like a lot of the other NFTs that I held throughout the past, you know, two years. Um, so it's just a different feel. And I think part of that was like dropping it near the start of uh, the bear market or, or, or even in the bear market, uh, you, you built a, a different sense of community. Um, so I love what you guys are doing over there. And that's, I think, the inspiration of what we're trying to build uh, with the Founders Pass at Ready Player DAO as well. I think, uh, I mean, awesome. I'm biased here, obviously, in saying Midnight Society is just because it represents kind of a long time of well, a lot of hard work and to that point of 
what it represents. And it was like, again, it was not a cash grab. It was meant to be priced like a battle pass of $50. Um, more so, you know, early on, one of the KPIs that people go out with often, which I'm confused by, is like, oh, we're top in OpenSea on trading volume. And to me, that just shows actually you didn't build a really hardcore community who care to like keep on the assets, right? And and that to me is just like a negative KPI. And so for me early on was like, hopefully that when these founders pass drops, like you don't see a lot of trading volume because we targeted the right people who applied, like 400,000 people applied for those 10,000 spots. And like what that, re obviously I do think it's not only Midnight Society, there are a lot of teams that are working really hard and shipping amazing games, but you know, having personalities like Doc helps reinforce like what we're doing in Web3 is real. It's not sort of a cash grab and having personalities like that with, with large reaches in Web2, hopefully we start to see that community come over and adopt what we're building in Web3. And so that's what like that's what that pass represents to me. Yeah, and it's also a variant, right? It's your variant. It, yeah. it represents you and what you will be like within the game when it launches. Um, so it's a little different than a lot of the other NFTs, which are just meant to be PFPs, right? It's actually something that's gonna you're gonna run around with and uh, gives you access to you know all the the, the testing uh, that's gonna be coming out like every six weeks and gives you access to the events like in LA this past weekend where you can meet the doc and you can be one of the first ones to play the game and you can be involved in the development of the game, which is like, I think they're the only ones that have pushed it that far. Um, I think a lot of other Web3 games have come close, um, but not to the extent of which, uh, you know, Minute Society is doing it. And by the way, for those that didn't care for it, no change on their game like when the game ships, they'll have everything exactly the same. This path of owning a founder's pass just provides this level of access, yeah. but your game experience is no different. Which is yeah, I mean, listen, I I can tell you guys are really passionate about it because you just spent two minutes talking <laughs> about it, so it's it it is exciting, right? And so um, I'm excited um, about what you guys are doing. I'm looking forward uh, to the mint that you guys um, are I'll be dropping on on the tenth. For people that want to find out more information of, about uh, all things Ready Player DAO and the Mint, what's the, what's the best way for people? Yeah, to stay connected? follow us at at Ready Player DAO on Twitter, and to to keep up with the Mint, it's best to join the Discord. Um, we'll be we'll be keeping updates more frequently there than than on Twitter, uh, but uh, Twitter also works. Awesome, um, you know, Rich. Danny, Rohit, um, great chatting with you guys. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, looking forward to, to things that you guys are working on. And, you know, I, I've been in, in RPD since day one, so I'm excited to, to see, you know, where this goes because I definitely think that this is going to be a massive vertical. And I think you guys are thinking about it in the right form, right? Before we sign up, what's your favorite NFT? That's not admit one. Uh, so my favorite NFT is a... Um, it's a collaboration I did with this artist called Twerky back in January of 2021, which was the first collab I did uh, with an artist. And um, I 
they sold out like when I tweeted about it and this was like the first thing I did. Um, it sold out it, like after I tweeted about it, he sold out all of his other work within like 10 minutes. And like for them, it was life changing and allowed them to continue in the space. And they've been in the space creating uh, ever since. So to me, that that's one of like my most sentimental ones, because it kind of tells me like there's more to this than just the money. And so that's 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 kind of like one of the ones that's been close to my heart. Yeah, hey Gene. Also, not to not to Brian knows, but we don't get to talk very often. I love what you've done is awesome, man. You're one of the best people uh, in the space. You're, you know, very selfless and really like innovating. Um, and so I definitely look to you when you do something new. I'm like, wow, like what's he up to? Why is he up to it? And those things I think really impact the space. And so I know that's a lot of responsibility, but I think you're doing it great. And uh, I appreciate you backing us so early. You know, we're gonna keep grinding and doing our thing. And so um, it's good to see you. Uh, with all the success you're having and staying humble. So I appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate it. And like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to what you guys are doing. Um, you know, I, I'm not as active in the discord as I, as I would like to be, but uh, you know, whenever, whenever you guys need me on something, I am always just like one, one message away uh, and I'll, I'll help out where I can. Thank you. Awesome. awesome. Thanks. Appreciate it. But awesome. Thanks for coming on and everybody. Thanks for, for tuning in and listening and we'll catch you guys right. next week. Thanks everyone.